Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. I've spent my life trying to build something here. Growing up, a non-white, non-straight girl in Blue Springs, Nebraska. I wouldn't wish to excite your anticipation. I never asked to be made! exactly the hero I wanted you to be. The theme song you just heard is Good Residence by R. Soner, which is available on the Free Music Archive. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Gretchen. Hello. And Julia. Hey. And the three of us write for thefundamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. Yeah. Thanks, Johnny Snow. Oh, for Johnny Carter. Oh, yes. It's kind it's of obvious. It's a bit obvious, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, what are we doing? Wow. Hi. We talk about geeky fandom news in general, just sort of zoom, zoomed back uh, fandom discussions, all sorts of things on the fandomentalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today we have a Halloween episode because it's that time of year and there's pumpkins and all that. On pumpkin spice, if you want to hear us bitch about pumpkin spice, watch our uh, listen to our episode from last. Week. I totally had a pumpkin spice muffin today. Oh my gosh! Hashtag we've been day. over this. Okay, we've been over this. Pumpkin spice muffins are fine because right. those are muffins containing actual pumpkin. Baked goods are delicious. Yes, mm. it is for the products divorced from the pumpkin gourd itself that are the problem. Anyway. Uh, we're going to start off before we get into talking about supernatural versus superheroes. Uh, then, of course, we've got some more Game of Thrones versus the Star Wars prequels. I'm and so we're going to close things off by talking about our favorite Halloween movies. Even though Halloween is a holiday, I try to ignore, usually. I try to ignore them favorite. all. Except for well, Administrative Professionals Day. I liked it in high school because I would be in the marching band. And then I would usually do adult trick-or-treating with my friends. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I just like dressing up. Dressing oh, up see, I was favorite. a hipster. I would, like, get a t-shirt and draw on it, and that would be my costume. You're, what does hamster mean? Hipster. Hipster. Okay, I heard hamster, and Me I was too. like... Me too. I, I think you said hamster. <laughs> now I'm just picturing that um, Love Kernels video from <laughs> Crazy Ex-Girlfriend with the part where she's in a hamster costume, and she goes, slurp, slurp. You should do that for <laughs> Halloween, Kylie. You should be a sexy cactus. Yeah. I don't think I'm doing that. But you know what we should do instead is news? talk about the fandom news that's going on right now. That's so lame on this fandom podcast. You want to talk about fandom news? We could talk about how I'm going to be a dental hygienist for Halloween. That is pretty good. Yeah. Gretchen, are you dressing up? Yes. I'm going to be a punk Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. What, what does that entail? It means I have like a fish, like a white fishnet shirt, and I'm going to have like a t shirt underneath that says, um, a woman's place is in the rebellion and have like a short white skirt and like I have my tattoos and stuff. And because oh. I don't have like Leia hair, I turned um, a pair of headphones into Princess Leia buns. <laughs> so, yeah. I was going to say, you don't have very much hair to be Leia. No, so. I don't. Yeah. But that's because that's why she's a punk, because she like shaved her head. Well, you remember in Spaceballs, uh, Princess Vespa yeah. is listening to headphones that have like a hair pattern on them. Yeah, so that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what I'm going for. Yeah, and I have a little coin purse that looks like R2D2 because that's where I keep all my important things. Oh, like your files to save the rebellion? Yeah, totally. Yep. Yep. 
that you were handed. You were being a dental hygienist. Yeah. And my boyfriend was like, are you going to be a sexy dental hygienist? And I said, no. And he's like, well, yeah, you will be because it's you. Aww. Aww. And he got... Hashtag gold. (laughs) (laughs) I will not be dressing up, but I'm going to advertise this right now. If you come to The Fundamentals on Halloween evening night, I'm going to say sometime in between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, uh, October 31st, Elizabeth and I are going to be live blogging the Emoji Movie which I believe is the most terrifying movie in the world. Because if you read the Rotten Tomato reviews, it's seriously like, this movie made me want to stop living. (laughs) (laughs) This movie destroys souls. So we have to find out what is going on with the Emoji movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes. can it be that bad? It's a movie. It's a movie about About emojis. emojis emojis on your phone. Yeah. It sounds that bad. Just the premise of yes. it sounds that bad. I'm not sure like what the premise could be. Like that's not a premise. You know, uh, you will have to visit the site, Julia, to yeah. find out because right. I will fill you in. Okay. Turn on Halloween evening. I mean, so, you hyped this very well. <laughs> have I? Are you hyped? Because you don't sound no, hyped. I, like I, I, I want, I want to know. I, I must know. <laughs> Why does anyone listen to us? I don't know. News. Oh Let's talk news. about news. Fandom news. Okay, there's a new Hellboy. What's up with that? A new Hellboy movie? Mm-hmm. I think I saw ads for it on the subway. I can't say I saw the old one. No, I like did, he had a horn, and then he went to Earth, and they had to cut off the horn because he was too top-heavy, right? What? Yeah, that was like... Yes. Yeah, that's like all I know about Hellboy. Oh, I must not be remembering the old Hellboy very well because I don't remember it being about like top heavy or anything. Or was it just like too big and he kept whacking people? I don't know. Some, for some Am reason. I smelling a dirty diaper or catpoop.com? I don't know what's going on right now. What? I think my sister threw a freaking diaper just out in my trash can. Oh my goodness. It doesn't have a diaper genie? So, you need to get a diaper genie. I don't have one. I don't live with her yet. I'm sorry, I just got distracted by the overwhelming soul of shit, but it's very possible that one of the three cats that has been pooping here pooped. Speaking of poop... <laughs> let's talk about Game Segway. of Thrones casting. Let's talk about Game of Thrones. <sighs> Apparently, Harry Strickland has been cast for Game Harry of Thrones Strickland, season 8. Harry Strickland, for those of you who don't know, is the, um, the like, commander, what is the of captain the general, is that the term, of the Golden yeah, Company, the Golden which Company. in Game of Thrones apparently is going to be fighting for the Lannisters, which is so fucking wrong. He is also authoritative, fit, cool, <gasps> and charismatic, which sounds which absolutely nothing not like, like the Harry Strickland in the book. <laughs> but I'm just like, just like, they just don't give any fucks, do they? Because no fucks at all are given about the integrity of the source material. Just like, oh, okay, that's the Golden Company. You'll be in there. And that's fine. It doesn't matter that they're fighting against the Targaryen. Well, yeah, against the Targaryens. But you know what I mean? Yeah. This news in is this more context. impactful to some people than to others. I'll say that. Yeah, well, I don't know. There are also rumors that Dahario Naharis might come back. John might have competition for Danny. Oh, my God. Well, Who will she pick? Her nephew or her ex-boyfriend? <laughs> it's the ultimate Maybe she'll go for struggle. Harry Strickland. Hey, the Han Solo movie has finally been given a name, and it super sucks. It's just called Solo colon a Star Wars story. It's like go the, for the colon a Star Wars story thing now. Ugh. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And like, why did they not call this a Solo Star Wars story? Okay, that's even worse, Kylie. I, I hate to tell no, you. No, <laughs> because it's a play on. Because I know that. it's a play. But it's 
No. It's just no, like calling that- it solo a Star Wars story is like super lazy. It sounds mm. like someone like on the last day of filming was like, shit, we need a title, don't we? Uh what did we do for Rogue? Well One they again? also Let's forgot to hire that. actors who could act, so it's fine. That's true. I mean Donald Glover can act. Yes, Donald Glover can act. That's why we deserve a Lando movie and not a solo movie. Well, they can have Lando a Star Wars story in a few years. See that sound? I, for some reason, wouldn't it be Calrissian a Star Wars story? Oh, I don't think nobody does. It's true. I'm sure there people there's a character in uh, Babylon Five called Lando. Oh, right. I'm just picturing how bad Lando would look in that Star Wars font as like the only thing within it, as like the title. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember if I told you, but whenever I see the title. Now for the title card for Solo, a Star Wars story, all I think is the candy Rolo. Oh my god. That's <laughs> oh, literally Rolo. all I can think of. I haven't had a Rolo in so long. I should get a Rolo. Like, I, just I don't say, think like, I've ever actually eaten a Rolo. Rolo, a Nestle story. I don't know. So Chris Brown is getting a documentary for some ungodly reason. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be on Netflix. Try to be creative about a transition. Why? Why is that happening? Because he's not that bad. He's just misunderstood. Sure. He's just a thousand years old and has lost track of his moral code? Yeah. I mean, it's about as interesting as, isn't, like, Ed Sheeran supposedly be getting, like, a biopic? What? I'm sorry, I can't take Ed Sheeran seriously anymore. Is he old enough for a biopic? That's, that was my reaction when I heard the news. Was has like, he even been around long I don't know, the little royal babies get their own biopics, why not? Well, mm. and, like, Ed Sheeran hasn't really had that interesting of a life, either. It's like, oh, I grew up in England with with like middle like comfortably middle class with parents who totally supported me and then i sang and then i sang some songs and a bunch of like teenage girls think i'm hot (laughs) i can't wait to watch it i don't i will watch it over the chris brown one i'll tell you that yeah i wonder if Maisie williams is gonna get a special appearance in ed sheeran's will they get to eat rabbit together maybe (laughs) um scam is getting a U.S. version. The version. This is a popular Norwegian show, and I will link Matt's piece on it because that explains it far better than I could. Uh, do you guys watch? No, no. Oh, okay, me either. So let's not talk out of our butt here. And but yeah, Matt has a really good piece on it. Yeah, no, Matt has a good piece, and read that. Yeah. And yeah, let's talk about Legos. We know about Legos, right? I'm yeah. confused as to why anyone buys Legos at the Lego store when you can just buy them at Walmart. Yeah, I don't either. Hmm. Because have you ever been inside the Lego store? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty rad. And you get to bin- build your own minifig. Yeah, I like minifigs. I like minifigs I like, on, as keychains. I like minifigs featuring uh, uh, women in STEM. It, good good news, then. <laughs> <laughs> the new, Le- uh, new Lego space sets feature women of STEM. It's got yeah. Nancy Grace Roman, Margaret Hamilton, Sally Ride, and Mae Jemison. Mm-hmm. And they are American women who helped make human space flight and modern astronomy possible. So I think that's pretty cool. This is so overdue, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they've had spacecraft Legos for a long, long time. Yep. I, mean, I remember because we had one. When I was a kid, there were no Star Wars Legos. You just kind of had to take the regular space Legos and pretend mm-hmm. that they were Star Wars Legos. So yeah. It's yeah, like when you I have had... to take a castle set and pretend that it's Castle Big Rock. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That was like just starting to be a thing when I was playing with Legos because uh, the year I was born, 1989, was the year that the first pirate Legos came out. And Ooh, I believe, I remember those. yeah, they were such strong, good sets they that were. that's kind of what spawned it. But yeah, the Star Wars Legos. I so think when, we moved, when we moved uh, from Poland to Canada, my carry-on mm-hmm. was a backpack full of Legos. 
That's awesome. True story. You are adorable. Mm. That's priorities right there. Yeah. I remember I had yeah. this minifig that was a hippo. <laughs> like, welcome to the land of opportunity. You no longer need iodine tablets in your water. By the way, bring, bring all your Legos. Yeah. Is Canada the land of opportunity? I don't actually know. We have opportunities. Like, <laughs> okay. opportunity to not go bankrupt because you have to pay medical bills. Have healthcare. Yeah, we got yeah. it. All right. Um, <laughs> a, new, a new Steven Universe trailer dropped, and it looks pretty awesome. And it also tells us that Cartoon Network knows uh, the Apparently, this exists. is the, ba- the longest hiatus between episodes ever. Mm, I believe it. It's yeah, crazy. I totally like, believe it. Yeah, maybe it's because, like, my life has become, like, one giant blur. But, like, how long ago was the trial? I don't remember. It didn't feel that long. Yeah, it doesn't feel that long. I think I, I think I, May. Yeah, I remember waiting longer for um after the uh, that the one with the ruby bubbles, like when he got blown out into space. After this, well, they... the the Stephen Adam bomb thing. I remember oh. at the what? Remember waiting longer after that? Like it felt longer. I think it just felt longer because we had been getting so much yeah. during the atom bomb. Whereas with this, we only had like five, and then another yeah. hiatus. Yeah, but the episodes will be returning at some point. TBD this fall. Hopefully. I mean, how long? Like, it feels, it kind of feels like the Winds of Winter spoiler chapters that we've had for like 10 years at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we've had that one scene from uh, Comic Con of the next episode. Mm-hmm. And it's right. like, come on. <laughs> it's okay. clearly already produced. Just release it. <laughs> come <Yep>. on. <laughs> um, another cool trailer that dropped was the Black Panther trailer. Did you guys watch it? Yes. It looks yes. really good. I'm so yeah. excited. I still haven't seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriends. Yeah, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, the second episode's tonight, so yeah. we're, we're filming on a Friday. We're filming. We're recording. <sighs> but Black Panther does look really, really good. It looks so amazing. Apparently, yeah, Thor Ragnarok is getting really good reviews. That's what I've heard. I've like, heard it's better than funny. Winter Soldier? I might go watch it. I liked Thor, too. I thought it was terrible and wonderful <laughs> in the best yes. way. Remember when Natalie Portman was about to blow up because science... Because the science machine, <laughs> and she's running around in her rain boots, looking at the science. Those squeaky rain boots. Um. Anyway, yes. Oh man. Little Shop of Horrors, the director cut, the darker yeah. ending. Yep. Okay. So for for those of you who may not be aware, Little Shop of Horrors has two different endings. I had no yep, idea. I, I was not aware of this. Um. There's the mainstream ending, which most people I think are familiar with, the happy ending. Um, and then there's the director's cut, which is actually the ending that is in the stage version of Little Shop of Horrors. Um, and it is not a happy ending. Um, but apparently that is going to be in theaters on October 29th and 31st. Speaking okay. of in theaters, Gretchen, weren't you telling me that The Princess Bride is in theaters? It is no longer, but it was. What? Okay, never mind. Ignore that. Old news. It was this past Sunday and Wednesday. We gotta talk about this last bullet point. Yep. Supermarket sweep. Oh my god, I remember watching that. It's like I when you have remember to, like, seeing commercials for it. Yeah, like you have, like they give you like a like a set amount of money or something, and you have to get the groceries up to that money or something, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I vaguely remember watching it. I'm just curious why it's making a comeback now. Like I, I, I don't know of anyone who's clamoring for a renewed supermarket sweep. Yeah, like do people watch game shows anymore? Are game shows even a thing? Ooh, ooh, maybe, maybe it'll be about Whole Foods, and it'll be a parody about how expensive Whole Foods is. <laughs> they can they Health can go get is. their six dollar asparagus water or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I do. I actually do kind of like that. I- that idea of it being like a parody of how like extortionist the health food industry is. 
Yeah, like supermarkets. Yeah, super supermarket sweep can really take that on. Mm-hmm. I think that that will be good commentary. But we're gonna have to transition and talk about two other supers coming up. You got a lot of guts here. After what you pulled. So, as Kylie said, we're going to be talking about supers, but very different variety. Um, in honor of Halloween, which is my favorite holiday, um, we are going to talk about the supernatural versus superheroes. Um, so what we mean by that, like supernatural being like vampires, werewolves, demons, that kind of thing, and kind of which genre, like the similarities, the differences, and also like which genre are we more drawn to? Um, Because I know, like, I grew up watching more supernatural shows than I did superhero shows or, like, reading comic books. But it seems like right now, like, superheroes are kind of having a thing. Um, <laughs> They're having <laughs> say, a moment. To say the least. Um, they seem I mean, to be zombie makers. apocalypses are having a moment, too. I don't know. I feel like that moment's almost s- over. Like, The Walking Dead is kind of going on and on. But I Yeah, that's that. true. Right. But they had, they had a good research. Yeah. You're definitely right that right now we're in superhero saturation mode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that you talked about growing up and like what you were more drawn to because, you know, like I, there's Buffy and stuff like that. And I might have just encountered more supernatural. But the thing is, I'm a fucking wimp. So <laughs> I definitely prefer superhero. Ah. Uh, and yeah, like I didn't grow up reading comics or anything, but I certainly watched like Batman animated series and things mm, of that nature. Yep. So I would say that was more what I was grounded in. Mm-hmm. What about you, Julia? Um, well, I think I always kind of, like, I've always been kind of drawn to things, like, I've always kind of thought that, like, supernatural explanations for things as a premise of a show was kind of, I don't know, lazy, I suppose. I kind of like that part <laughs> of this, no, like, I don't know, that seems like the wrong word. I kind of liked that part of the superhero kind of world building where you explain how they got their superpowers, and there always yeah. had to be a can't believe it's science explanation. <laughs> That's a really except, good way of putting it. Yeah. Except if it's Marvel and then it's just everyone has a mutation or it's radioactive something or other. That would be that the would world be building the thing. back. Yeah, that would be the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you're saying with that. All right, never yeah. mind. Yeah. But, I, but like, you know, like with the supernatural stuff, it's always like, oh, they're the chosen one. <laughs> they have mm-hmm. powers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you like Harry Potter, though. Yeah, I do. It's a supernatural chosen one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a religious supernatural, though. No, it, well, that's true. The metaphor is kind of very clearly there, but <laughs> right, totally. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that um, intrigues me about supernatural shows versus superheroes is that, um, speaking of like spirituality and I think morality, is superheroes. I think, in my experience, lend itself more to kind of a black and white, like you have the good guy superhero fighting like the bad guy super like super powered bad guy and that's not to say they're all like that um that is kind of simplistic like but with like supernatural stuff but... you literally have like evil entities that are the like antagonists not you have all like the time, though. demons like to me like there's like supernatural can be you can have that like angels versus demons element to supernatural but i think you you also get more like opportunity for like morally gray kinds of like chaotic or neutral alignments like fairies or even like vampires and werewolves and magic which can be used depending on the author or the creator like each of those species can be either evil or neutral Mm -hmm. or sometimes even good and i think superheroes 
I feel like you see that less where it's like you have this like chaotic new you hardly ever have like a chaotic neutral superhero. The way you're more likely to have like the fae like the fae especially which is like my term for like fairies tend to be more like chaotic neutral. Mhm. I think that like there's a difference between like within the supernatural category of kind of true blood-esque kind uh setups where you have like a bunch of supernatural things interacting with each other and more mm-hmm. of like a buffy kind of setup where it's right. clearly like a human being against the supernatural stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. Yeah, because then that becomes framed a bit more good versus evil mm-hmm. in the latter case. Yep. Um, and very chosen one, yes, of course. Of course. Yep. Well, I, I don't know. I like the chosen one narrative most of the time. There wasn't... I mean, True Blood, I wouldn't say, had a chosen one. No. Mm-mm. But then again, I stopped watching after three seasons, so maybe they got one. I don't know. I don't know. There was this whole thing with, like, the original vampires and stuff. There was this... Well, that's yeah, a, the thing here. is, too, like, I think you're right, Gretchen, that... It's not always the case, but usually uh, you're getting more simplistic kind of stakes, I guess. Right. That's a good way of putting it. And where the conflict for superheroes exists is normally with group dynamics Mm. when there's like different viewpoints. Um, And that's why, like, even though, you know, Avengers was people just standing in a circle, Mm -hmm. it's still the kind of group dynamic. Avengers was people standing in a circle, but Winter Soldier was extremely engaging because it had that conflict within the group. Right. 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 Because there's actually the great dynamic there, which is funny because that was a standalone as opposed to, you know. Right. Right. Okay. So there's exceptions to the rules, but I'm saying like it's, it is the internal conflict and the, um, competing viewpoints where it's like not quite a clear antagonist and usually what you'll see in superhero runs like comic book runs is that one like storyline will have a more gray antagonist or more gray stakes but then the next one will be like lady shiva comes and she wants to kill everyone yeah Mm -hmm. so it does usually like fall back to that right yeah and i think that um as julia pointed out when you have kind of the more like angels versus demons kind of supernatural you're gonna tend to have that similar like a very similar feel there um like with buffy and angel and kind of that variety is like oh no it's the new big demon who wants to like bring hell to to earth um yeah so yeah there's yeah there's probably more similarity there um but i mean that leads me into what another thing that i think is interesting about the two is that supernatural stories i think tend to have a much more blatant spirituality component to them. Specifically the one, especially when you have, like, angels and demons. Because, like, how do you avoid some kind of, like, religious undertone? Yeah, I don't know. What was the supernatural element in uh, Buffy, exactly? I mean, what was the spiritual element in Buffy? Well, they used crosses to ward them off. How is that a spiritual element? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's very, like, religious. Like, there's definitely, like, a significant, like, religious component to, like, using crosses and holy water to kill demons. I don't that's... think there is, though. I mean, it's a religious symbol, but, like, they weren't, like, there's no implication well, like, that they get their power because it's related to Christ or anything. I mean, I don't know. Like, Willow kind of hid the witch stuff from her dad and all that. Like, I, I, I think that it was at least present as an element, even if it wasn't necessarily explored overtly as a theme. It was definitely a component of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, because, like, Giles, from what I recall, like, a lot of Giles's function was frequently to be like, hey, see this, like, special weapon? It belonged to the Crusaders who fought demons. Like, whether or not, yeah, whether or not they explicitly explored it, like, Buffy as a 
chosen one fighting demons has a very spiritual connotation to it. Yeah, and like in comic books or with superheroes, you almost never get this unless it's the case of a crime worshipping religion right. that has the crime Bible, which <laughs> I don't think I've seen that replicated anywhere else outside of crime Bible mm-hmm. um, and 52. It was really weird. Right. If you have any kind of, I think, religious component, it's typically in superheroes. I mean, it tends to be like the coding of characters. Yeah. Well, but I even guess, then, I it's mean, not like explicated. It's just like, oh, hey, right. Kryptonians are very, have like a space Jew component to them. But it's not. Right. Sorry, I love you know, that term so much. <laughs> it's a space Jew. Um, you know, and like Kate Kane is Jewish. She actually has a lot of spirituality right. tied around her because, like, she had the crime worshiping uh-huh. cult, like, viewing her as, like, you need to die to fulfill the prophecy. Uh, and then th- she has, like, werewolf friends and stuff. Right. Of course. Which is, yeah, which is unique, though, for a lot of superhero yeah. mm-hmm. genre to have all those connections. Because there's characters like Azriel that has, like, a- again, it's, it's like there's coding uh-huh. with some characters, but it's not, it's not necessarily as overt. Um, Really, yeah, the only Kate one I can very much an exception. And the only other one I can think of is Constantine, mm-hmm. but that's because like Constantine is a supernatural. Su- he's not. He's not really a superhero. It's like a supernatural comic that exists within. What about Hellboy? Um, I don't really know much about Hellboy, so maybe. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, but like, see, we're like discussing that's, that. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like that. Those are supernatural comics. Those There's are like, that, um, those would fall, I would think, into like cross genre supernatural superhero comics. There's that uh, X Men angel or archangel, I think he's called later, Warren Worthington. Uh, the dude with wings. Right, yeah. <laughs> like like he have... exists. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's always really bugged me because, like, just from an evolutionary standpoint, like, I can buy, like, that we could evolve to, like, turn things into ice by touch. Then I can buy that we would like spontaneously grow more limbs like that because like the tetrapod body plan is so like ancient. Yeah, it really bugged me. But but Kitty walking through walls was okay. I I think it's more plausible. (laughs) (laughs) Good God, I love that. Oh Oh, man, God. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it, it might be it's more encoding, I think is a good way of putting mm-hmm. it uh for superheroes. And you are right that like especially with things such as vampires or werewolves where there's such a or even witches, there's this like pagan demonic association, right? Mm-hmm. So then the counter to that is always like, you know, the silver cross and I don't know what the fuck for werewolves, something. It's a silver silver bullet. bullet. Right. Silver. What is with that? Um yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting. What was really interesting to me is that it was wizards and witches and not warlocks and witches in Harry Potter. Well, yeah, because warlock has a much more negative connotation, just the use of it. Dark. Yeah, warlock. Mm -hmm. I think people imagine warlocks to be like dark magic. Yeah. And typically in the supernatural like stories, warlock is typically used for like a dark wizard is a warlock. Um, Yeah, that's true. So that's probably why they didn't use warlock in... Harry Potter. Though I don't know, I'm not J.K. Rowling. Um, <laughs> um, on to other differences. Um, I think, Kylie, you were the... No. Yeah. I can never remember. We were both <laughs> working me. on this outline earlier, so I'm yeah, trying we, to remember. We were writing simultaneously. Writing <laughs> um, I do think supernatural shows tend to do a better job giving human beings a way... Oh, yeah. This 
what we were just talking about, giving human beings a way to counteract or fight on an equal footing with supernatural beings. Like, werewolves have a silver bullet. Uh, vampires, you have to stake them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's typically, like, um, a means of, like, killing or, like, fighting a supernatural being that, like, any, like, typically any human being has access to. You might have people who, like, are especially skilled at doing so, um, like vampire hunters, but um, other than Buffy, who is, like, the chosen one and the one who mm-hmm. can, you know, speci- she's the slayer of vampires. But um, typically in other supernatural shows, like, any human being could stake a vampire. Um, just they would have to be, like, aware that that is a way to fight them. Um, yeah. If that and makes it, sense. It's, it's always, like, a specifically human solution to it. Mm-hmm. I mean... The trick is with superheroes is there's two kinds of superheroes. There's superheroes with superpowers. Right. And then there's vigilantes mm-hmm. that are yeah. just dudes. Yeah. Why are um, they in the same category? So, I guess because of like, like those the superhero team up things where they're put in the same category. Yeah. Like, why is Batman and, like in the same universe as Superman? Like, because they still fix solutions outside the law, but mm-hmm. it's good. So right. like, that's my only guess for it. Um, but in the case, in the case of vigilantes, it's still like the problems that exist are ones that only like Batman and Bat friends will solve. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, you know, Joe walking down the street's going to jump in and it'll be fine. Right. I mean, there, there are stories sometimes that focus on like that have just everyday people helping out, but that's kind of the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, you're right in terms of balance of powers. It's like there always is an answer for the supernatural stuff. Whereas the world could just be deeply, deeply fucked up. But the vigilante, it's the onus is on them. And that's why they do it. And that's why they can't step down. Because mm-hmm. imagine what would happen. Right. And there's no, like, I guess Superman, I guess you could say with someone like Superman, like any human could get their hands on kryptonite, um, potentially. But typically, unless like a weakness is like built... I mean, I guess that's similar enough. It's just most most human beings would not be able to fight Superman on any kind of equal level. Yeah, um, and, like, the people that fight Superman consistently, like, Lex is a super genius, you know? It's not, <laughs> right. like... Right. It's not like people are getting in bar fights with him or anything. Right. You tend to, like, have an equally powerful negative entity to fight the super-powered positive entity rather than yes. just, like, anyone could take down the negative entity if they just had the right tools. Um... Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think tailing off of that is another point. Another key difference is that superhero stories almost never focus on just the humans. Like, even even in the case of the Batman Bat universe, it never really focuses on anyone but the Bat family, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that's who that's who gets it, with one exception. And I'll get into that in a second. Whereas in Supernatural, like the focus is on the everyman. How, usually, how are they combating this supernatural element? Like, how are they dealing with these stakes? Mm-hmm. Uh, the one exception is Gotham Central. And that is just a procedural about the Gotham Police Department and the, like mm-hmm. detectives. And it's fucking amazing. And it's won like a bunch of awards. And it's just perfect to read that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what Gotham the TV show should have been. And it wasn't, and it makes me really upset, right? But yeah, no, it just, it just in general, there's, there's a difference in scope. Again, it comes back to that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I agree. Um, similarly, like the villains in a superhero show are more often personally connected to the superhero. 
Mm-hmm. Soft, like it's a typically personal because even someone like Lex Luthor, like he has personal stakes in his battle with Superman. Like it's deeply personal to him to like at defeat. this point. Yeah, at this point in the story. Um, and I think the villains of superhero shows are more likely to be personal villains than necessarily is true of a supernatural show. There's like a especially of the angel and demon variety supernatural show there's like a vague sense of like there is evil in the world um but it's not necessarily that like like there may have been a couple of really personal villains that like buffy had to deal with but generally it was just like oh right this is the next like big demon who is just around trying to cause havoc and i'm the one who can stop him Mm -hmm. it's not like he personally wants to see me dead Right. Well, sometimes, I think, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I meant, sometimes. But most of the time, it's just like, this is the next, you know, big evil entity that I have to fight, and I'm the one who can. Unless it's season six. It's her own right. personal evidence. <laughs> I like right, season yeah, six. Mm. It's a good season. <laughs> it's a good season. It's been a while since I've watched it, but it's a really good season. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I haven't rewatched, like, any of it. Right. Which is rare for me. Oh, I mean, I guess, like, I suppose for the last difference and then we can talk about some similarities before we wrap up um i would say that like it's it it was interesting to me to think about the fact that superhero shows are more likely to have um science fiction elements oh for sure like galactic like the scope you're you're more likely in a superhero show to find like aliens or like or even the idea of like multiple universes or natalie portman running around with her science machine right (laughs) i mean there always is that kind like you know you um Superhero shows usually have, like, you know, a naturalistic assumption of the universe. Right. Even if you have, like, effects that are indistinguishable from magic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spiritual shows, kind of, the premise is that you don't have a naturalistic assumption. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So you're more likely to have, like, a cosmic perspective. Mm-hmm. By And by that, I mean kind of, like, heaven and hell, like. Mm-hmm. But it's almost always, like, just the Earth exists. Like, it doesn't really, like, anything outside of the planet Earth isn't Yeah, you really don't see like, aliens mixing into this. No, hardly ever. Or space exploration or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, a superhero show, you can have a, like, I am an alien from an alternate universe version of Krypton, and I am here to, like, fight you or whatever. Like, you can have that like, in a superhero show. And, like, what's weird is that d- despite zombies definitely being supernatural, that's, like, the only medical no, epidemic zo- yeah, issue. zombies can be fit into that naturalistic mold right yeah because zombies a, are it's a virus yeah, I, th- I think zombies kind of like exist in a different like mold than either like sp- just supernatural i mean they're definitely not superhero shows but they're they're not exactly the same as like a supernatural show yeah i think it completely depends on how they're portrayed because right. i think zombies can be elements of i mean they it. could definitely be like a spiritual thing yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's just not necessarily the case. Um, some similarities between the two genres, though, is that, like, I think thematically, it's like they usually raise the same questions, like uh, the the morality of you taking on this force in this way, or you know, we have to protect the human beings at all costs, like the the norm, mm-hmm. the regular people, and how do we do go about doing that? And it's like these very uh, utilitarian kind of concepts. Yeah, like vampires and superheroes are usually like you know, either Jews or gay, <laughs> you know, like in the kind of metaphor thing. <laughs> mm. And like, I'm thinking of like, you know, True Blood and how the vampirism was clearly like uh, a metaphor for, you know, uh, the LGBT community and AIDS in some kind of ways and how that's, um, that's also kind of, you know, something like 
uh, X-Men that was also kind of very mm. sledgehammery at times. Like, have you tried not being a mutant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the X-Men are every oppressed class yeah. throughout history. So it's they're they're gay, they're Jewish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I suppose, uh, like, because they've been around for a while. So in different times, the metaphor was kind of forced to fit mm. whatever mold was fashionable at the time. Right. Uh, to, to an extent, yeah. I mean, I think there's always that general oppression narrative yeah. going on through it. I don't think I don't think the idea was to have specificity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, because, like, I think both of these genres are equally likely to have either potentially positive or potentially really uncomfortable, like, coding surrounding, like, the supernatural and or, like, super-powered beings. Or aliens, if you, you know, if you have a superior show that has, like, mm-hmm. aliens. Like, both of these, like, it's equally possible to use, like, vampires or mutants as a cipher for, um... Or literal know, aliens community. as a cipher for aliens, yeah. Right. <laughs> and that can go both ways. That can mm-hmm. either be positive or it can be really, really uncomfortable and bad and gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, when you make true. a character that's a Holocaust survivor or Nazi, for example. So that's pretty uncomfortable. Right! Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Super who would do that? <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, is it? <laughs> Weirdos. People who don't understand. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Especially with what Magneto was supposed to be about, but yeah, that's just ridiculous. Uh, um Right, but kinda I do wanna like circle back around to what you said, Kylie, about like like ethical questions, because I do think that that is something that they have in common that's worth I mean mentioning is that like questions about vigilantism or like um sacrifice like the willingness to sacrifice mm-hmm. you know family for then, duty or um you know the burden of power and responsibility especially if you right, have, right, like, that, a chosen one um, narrative I'm, I'm thinking of steven universe the uh the full disclosure song where right <laughs> he's like i have to be stoic and i can't tell connie what's going on because that's a burden and i have to do it my way but like that's always the thing that comes up no matter what in both of these genres yes. it's just like in different ways usually right right i mean I, I think that's that's kind of it's part of the chosen one thing right like the chosen one always has yeah. to be kind of separate from the normal people it even comes up as like like in avatar <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, God. yeah, it does. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, like even in fantasy, you're right. It absolutely is. Um, and then I think the be- the biggest similarity between these two is that uh, both these genres are panned by critics. Like this isn't serious entertainment, right? Yeah. You don't get a lot of right in Academy Awards for these. Mm-mm. They're just it's just it's just entertainment. Uh huh. It's fluff. Fluff. It's right. not serious. You know what is serious is Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, super serious. <laughs> And the Star Wars prequels. They are very <laughs> serious, guys. Oh my god, the, on that segue, wow. I know this ritual. The ancient shamans were next called upon to do the hokey pokey and turn themselves around. So, yep, like we said, we were going to be talking about Game of Thrones and the Star Wars prequels <laughs> again. This is our fourth segment? Our fifth? It's, fourth, it says part yeah, four in the notes, so I assume it's a four. I don't know if we're actually being accurate with our counting, though. We like, are so no, perfect. Right. It's part five. Um, yeah, I think it's part five. <laughs> we are so perfect. I love us. Either way, we talked about the similarities between these two in terms of production value, mm. strength of characters, character journeys. Uh, we are now talking today about logical coherence oh. or the lack thereof. Yay. So uh, for the prequel trilogy, 
I mean, to me, the whole thing is characterized, and I'm going to use the term honeypot. I will link mm. our book Snob Glossary, which is about Game of Thrones, but honeypot is like basically a wild fan invented rationalization to make sense of terrible writing. Yeah. Yep. It's like an explanation, and it's usually a lot more creative than whatever media you're actually consuming. Um, but there's a huge, immaculate honeypot that Palpatine was doing everything with the Force, yeah. and he was controlling everything. He was making everyone was stupid. But that's what they mean by the dark side clouds everything. It just makes everyone stupid. <laughs> right. Right. Because why, why would the Jedi not suspect Palpatine? No, like the entire but- plan, like they, they actually lampshade this in, uh, in Clone Wars, the cartoon for children. Um, that like, <laughs> we explained this to you in the second movie. Why are you surprised? <laughs> we right? literally like, explained it to you. There is only one person grabbing power. <laughs> There is only one person who has the authority to be doing this stuff. Right. Like, and they suspect someone's in the Senate. They were yeah. told there's a Senate. Yeah, there's in the a Senate. Sip in the Senate. There was, yeah, well, like, the Senate is so, like, improbably huge in the Star Wars prequels. Like, no wonder they get nothing <laughs> done. But, but, like, still, gee, I wonder if the Sith who's in the Senate is the guy who's trying to, like, consolidate all of the power and take control. Yeah, but gee, he's doing it gee, reluctantly. I wonder. It's, it's all reluctant. No, I, I bet he's the one sitting right. 400 rows up and 200 rows to the left, yeah. and he has an elephant face and he votes every once in a while. I bet, I bet that's the Seth. <laughs> Um, um, like the thing, oh my God. the thing that like uh, Red Letter Mina was good about explaining about the prequels is that like they throw out all these premises that like the characters know about shit, but like the audience has no way of knowing about it, right? Mm, so right. like the whole thing about like you know the Sith, like that, like they're yelling in, the, in like their Revenge of the Sith review is that we still don't know what the Sith are. Like nobody's ever told us. We know that there's, we know that there's like only two of them at a time, and that Darth Maul was one, and they want revenge against the Jedi. But like, what are they? What are their goals? Like, where do they come from? Like, we're never actually right, told like, that, right? Why do we care about those? exactly? Why do right? we care? And, and and why do the Jedi not sense that the Sith have come back? Like, if they're this like ancient evil, like we're apparently supposed to believe they are in the movies because, because the dark they're, side like, clouds everything. Eyes. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's the best part because the dark side clouds it. So it's like, or like they the want whole it both thing, ways. like in the Phantom Menace where like we're thrown in the middle of this like tax dispute. And they're like, okay, so like what kind of tax dispute is this? What goods are being taxed? Oh my god. What are like the like, whole thing with the tax dispute? No, the whole the logic of the first, of the, yeah, right. The logic of the first movie is based on the fact that the planet of Naboo, which looks like the most lush fucking planet <laughs> yeah. I have ever seen, can't survive without space trade. Yeah. Right. Like, because the plant, like, the, the city... Or um, maybe it's just their economy that can't survive. Well, Padme says, no, my people are starving. Yeah. At one point, just, like, the people are starving because they're, the planet has been blockaded. Like, they have space gondolas and weird pairs, and you're telling me they can't figure out a way to feed people on that planet? Like, is, is there no, is there literally no arable land to grow any well, kind of Well, maybe there's arable land, but none of it is, anywhere. like, cultivated. I don't and know. And then, <laughs> no, and then she has two Jedi witness everything that the Trade Federation <laughs> is doing, but when she's like, oh, we can't testify because there's no proof? Or, like, didn't Chancellor Valorum say that? Someone said, you have no evidence. But it's like, no, she has so much evidence. She has two Jedi who are supposed to be, like, the paragons of virtue who wouldn't lie. I mean, I I think the premise is that, like, anybody's word isn't worth anything in the Senate because it's so corrupt. Right? But it's Jedi. Right? And she's a 14-year-old uncorrupted queen. Oh, my God. I actually wrote in the notes. 
I okay, no, I have to tell you guys. I actually wrote in the notes, Julia can gripe about a government built on putting fourteen year olds in power. No, but like so, if she was like go. a hereditary monarch who like came to the throne really early, like that would make some kind of sense, but they elect fourteen year olds. Yeah. Because they had to have her not be a queen in the second Ooh. movie. Why did she have to be <laughs> queen in the why. first movie? Why couldn't she you know what the they handmaid in that Anakin the nine year old fell in love with? Yeah. Wait, uh, Boy, I sense. hope everyone listening has seen the prequels because we just <laughs> jumped right in yelling about this. Uh, I would say the logic kind of defines it because, yeah, the entire premise of the prequels is, you know, Palpatine gaining power. Let's talk about the Separatists and how we're never actually told what their goals are or what they want yeah. or what this conflict even is other than that, like, Trade. Palpatine's behind it all. Right? And like, that that's all we know. Like, we know they're bad, but, like, there's no... like. There's no the best there's part. Nothing no, bad that they actually do at any point. But the best part, Viceroy Gunray just listens to this guy that he's <laughs> talking to over a hologram over and over again for movies, and, like for the entire span of the trilogy. He's just like still listening to hologram guy. <laughs> and every time he listens to hologram guy, things go to shit for him. So why is he listening to hologram guy? <laughs> like, one of the funniest guy? things about the Clone Wars cartoons is that General Grievous, like. How many times did he, like, push Troy's out of the way so he can go to the escape pod? How many times did that happen? In the movie? No, in the, uh, in the Clone Wars cartoon. Right. It's like, so funny. I feel like once an episode. Yeah. Every time he shows up, he ends up, okay. like, you know, pushing a droid out of the way so he can get to the escape pod. Um, but... Right. Oh, my God. Like, there's no... Like, there, like, you get the kind of idea that this is because George Lucas is just not the best writer. Like, he has right. these ideas, like, the, like, he knows what the Separatists want. He knows, like, what this track dispute is. Like, you know, the details are somewhere there in his brain. But he was just not that. able to get them onto the screen at all. And right. so the audience doesn't know because we're not telepaths. Like, sorry. No, we're just supposed to assume what they tell us. Yeah. But like, yeah, the Separatists are bad because because they are yeah. and we're fighting yeah. them because we are I mean we had no I, you had no problem believing the empire was bad in the original trilogy you know we saw them like destroy Alderaan we saw them torture princess right. leia but, like even like in the opening shot like even like visually you can see like yeah Ren Leader the low talks angle about the establishing yeah. dominance is that what you Yeah but like just like you know like like the way they like charge into that blockade runner and just start shooting people like you know you can tell like they're bad guys why are they okay? I'm sorry, one of the bullet points. Why are they okay using a clone army they have no verified source for? And why did they just let it go? They're like, huh, someone placed them to order. Yeah, no, seriously. Right? They're here. We might as well That's use thing them. They lampshade in the cartoon, the fucking cartoon for children. They're just like, like, obviously you Jedi are stupid because. Right. Right. Why, like, why are you surprised that the clones are going to turn against you? Right. We are keepers of the peace, not warriors, they said, leading troops Becoming into battle. Generals. Yeah, they're yeah. all called generals. Like, the Padawans right. get to be commanders. I think it's just because Leia in the first, in A New Hope, said, like, General Kenobi, isn't that what she called him? Yes. Maybe? Yeah. So then Lucas was like, I need a reason why they're generals. They'll just all be general. Oh, right. Maybe we just make them all generals. <laughs> right. My fa- Okay, but my favorite, like, this makes absolutely no sense, is why there was any kind of resistance to training Anakin. Like... He's too old. Yeah, but, like, 
if he really is as like the most powerful, like nascent Jedi they have Spe- ever seen, you know, speaking of poorly why would you have premises. any kind of resistance to training an eleven year old? Like he is more dangerous untrained. Yeah. In the powers of the Force. Speaking of unexplained premises, so in the first movie, we're told that he's the chosen one. He's got like high midichlorians or whatever. Whatever they the do fuck those are. Nothing with it. Nothing. Not like nope. no mention of the whole chosen one thing. I mean, there's like he's one. Destined there's to- one. I think there's one offhand reference to it in the second movie where they're like, "Remember Obi Wan? He's the chosen one." And then they do nothing with it again. And then Obi Wan does say it in Revenge of the Sith. And then though. he says, "You are the chosen one." But what have they done with this chosen one concept? Nothing. Well, no, no, no. It's because the end of Darth Vader's arc, he kills the uh, the Palpatine. So it's no. But if he's the chosen one, if that's supposed to be the premise of your trilogy, why don't you do something with that, like him struggling with those expectations or something? Right. And I, I still just like can't get over like Yoda being like he's too old. Like we just found the chosen one, and sorry, he we're too, he's too old for us to train. Like, oh my god, what? Yeah, that's so the, dumb. The, pro- the Old Testament prophet comes comes back and and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to fulfill us. And everyone's like, yeah, you're a little too, you're a little too old. You're too old. Sorry, I sorry. They, we're just gonna let to you and your powerful thing. thing, like you and your powerful force sensitivity, just like exist. And maybe the Sith that we're worried <laughs> that might come back might take you anyway. So we're just gonna like leave you. I mean, it's the equivalent of finding someone with, like, superhuman powers and just being like, I'm going to let you decide your own fate yeah. and not worry about it and not try and, like, shape you to, like, use your powers for good. Good luck on your moisture farm. Right? <laughs> um. So that's the prequels. They don't follow a lot of logic <laughs> from what I okay, can tell. Okay, so, Gretchen, which one would you like us to explain to you in detail? The Sansa Marriage Strike or the Perjury <laughs> Trap? These are both from Season 5. Yeah, so, like, look, we're about to talk about Game of Thrones, and this is going to shock you. Uh You guys have opinions about Game of Thrones? Nothing makes sense on this show. And, like, we say that, and people are, oh, come on. Like, that that doesn't make any sense. And I understand what it sounds like to say nothing makes sense, (laughs) but Julia and I literally go through every single plot line every year for the past... Two years, we're about to start uh, season seven, that process up again. And I will link our retrospective tags. Nothing makes sense. The longer you think about any plot, nothing makes sense. So, yeah, let's... uh, Oh, okay, okay. so Santa Marriage Strike, Perjury Trap, or Operation Get a White? I don't... um, How about Perjury Trap? Okay. Oh, all right. Um, So this is season five taking place in King's Landing. And okay, so the problem is that Joffrey is dead, so Tommen is now king, and Marjorie, who Cersei doesn't like, is going to marry Tommen now, right? And Cersei does Uh not like this. And so then Tommen and Marjorie get married and start having the sex. And And it's important to note, Tommen is maybe 12. I mean, it's kind of confused. Maybe fourteen at best. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And some of the actors. Marjorie is played by Natalie Dormer, who was thirty-two, so I, I think, when this was being filmed. <laughs> but like, yeah, his age is kind of like. Um, I mean, let's say he's fourteen. Let's kind of just. But he's obviously very like a victim in this situation, even if the show doesn't recognize yeah. it. So Cersei's like concerns are totally reasonable. Well, right? the thing is that uh, Marjorie is obviously manipulating Tommen in order to like. Uh, remove Cersei from a position of influence over him, right? And at the same time, her uncle's being a poophead for no reason about her having political power. Because um, she's a woman. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not appropriate. Kevin doesn't believe that women are logical. <laughs> it's not appropriate. So Cersei hatches a plan, we think. 
at some point. We're not yeah, sure when. Well, step one is summoning Littlefinger from the north. We don't know why. Yeah, so, no, he, she thinks he's from the Vale Bees from the north, whatever. She summons Littlefinger. That's step one. Step two is get in with these crazy religious fanatics. She met this nice guy slopping soup to the poor people, and he talked about like religious jurisprudence and she thought you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna have this guy over for some wine yeah. and i'm gonna say hey why don't you take over the entire judiciary i would love you to be the new high septon and here's a bunch of weapons for your followers yeah, and we're gonna arm your followers and give them control over the judiciary system step three is get marjorie's gay brother arrested by these religious fanatics yeah, which may or may not have been why step two happened. We still don't know because she just randomly suggested it one yeah, day. Yeah, she randomly suggested step two and also step three at the same time. So poor Loris gets arrested. And then... Because he's gay and the religious people hate gay people. Yes. And right. so she wa- so her plan now, we think, is to get Marjorie also arrested for some reason. Now, the reason that she tries to get Somehow. her arrested in the source material is for committing adultery because Tommen is eight years old. And so if she can prove that Marjorie has had sex, therefore she committed adultery, right? But in this iteration, for some reason, they wanted the 14-year-old to have sex. So she can't have that as the reason she entraps Marjorie. So hmm, let's have Marjorie lie about how her, her brother, brother is gay. gay. Yes. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. Marjorie knows her brother's gay because Marjorie knows her brother's gay. And there's an eyewitness <laughs> that can testify that Marjorie knows her brother's gay named Oliver. He is a sex worker slash squire in both cases working for Loras yes. and then sometimes also working as a brothel purveyor. Yeah, he's, like the, he's like the manager at the brothel. But he, he'll, he'll get in on the role play too. He'll dress up as the father. <laughs> yeah. When people want to roleplay with the kinky gods. Uh, anyway, so Cersei somehow... But Cersei doesn't know this because this is why she summoned Littlefinger, right? But how could she have summoned Littlefinger if she didn't know he knew? Yeah, because, because Oliver works for Littlefinger and Littlefinger knows that he's like doing the gay with Loras and can testify so- against him. Cersei either intuits this and that's why she summons Littlefinger down or she summons Littlefinger down and it's handy that this happens to be going on. However, we don't know because no, in her meeting with is, Littlefinger. Is, if she knows that all, that Loras has a sex worker boyfriend who's also a spy for Littlefinger, why does she need to summon Littlefinger? If she has this information, she already has everything she needs to, and if she doesn't to get know, Oliver how did she testify. know to Yeah, and she doesn't know right. about that. She has Loras arrested arming these religious fanatics like in on the process hunch? on the hunch that Littlefinger will have something to do with this maybe I guess like I'm sure Littlefinger will think of something he's very creative right so she has him arrested on spec thinking that maybe in the future she'll be able to figure out a way to entrap Marjorie in this but wait but wait here's the most fun part mm-hmm. she and Littlefinger sit down to have a conversation and she summons him most urgently and they sit down and she says if there's war, do you have my back? And he's like, yeah. yeah. because he's the Lord and Protector that's all they talk about. So they're talking about, like, geopolitical situations. Not at any point do they talk about her problem with her daughter-in-law. At any point, they never talk about it. But we're told later on that... That he gave her a handsome young man as a gift. Yeah. What? We think this means we Oliver. We think that means, means Oliver, who at Loris's trial testifies against him, saying, yes, we had the gay sex. Now, the proof at the trial, of course, that they had the gay sex is that Oliver can identify a birthmark on Loris's inner thigh that is shaped like the southernmost kingdom. Yes, but the, the, but the, the real substantive information in Oliver's testimony is that Marjorie was there and Marjorie totally knew, right? And Marjorie had previously testified that her brother was soup straight. Yeah. So that's perjury, Marjorie. Marjorie has now committed perjury, yes. 
And the word of a random sex worker slash squire who probably should have been helping Loras get dressed and undressed trumps the word of the queen, the word of these yes. high-ranking lords. Yep. Also, the High Sparrow was personally acting as the lawyer. That was really <laughs> weird. We don't know what's going on there. And Cersei totally knew what was going to happen before it happened. So obviously, her off-screen discussion with Littlefinger led her to know that Oliver was going to testify about the Pornish birthmark. Dornish, whatever. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, that's the perjury trap, yeah, and then that's that's a, that's a major plot line in uh, like season, season five. five. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cersei confesses to high treason. Accidentally, they didn't know that she did, and she and she is free to skip around the city the next year, like plotting murder and making out with her brother. While Marjorie, who is arrested for perjury, is beaten and like starved in a cell and then when she's finally free she has a septa telling yeah, she's, her the she's whole like time. has a nun who follows her around and won't let her have private conversations because she's on parole or something and this is also the main plot line in king's landing that's known for its wonderful political intrigue i mean because <sighs> the thing about game of thrones is that it has a way of having like you're like oh this doesn't make sense that must be because it's so complicated i don't understand it but in the prequels for some reason they can't they can't achieve that effect. You just know it's stupid. Right. There's no veneer of mm-hmm. like, this is too smart for me. I must be the one who can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> and I mean, even even the white mission of this year was so stupid mm-hmm. that like mainstream critics were like, okay, why the fuck is any of this happening? <laughs> um, but hey, but, yeah. it looks nice. So I guess that's okay. We will we will link our retrospectives. Go through them at your leisure. If for anyone who doesn't watch the show, Julia and I start off all our retrospectives recapping what happens. Sometimes that so, takes us an entire episode. We really like recapping what happens. Oh yeah, in our podcasts, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. That could take us a long time. I mean, you heard how we were going. This is our UBS dynamic. Yeah. But, um, well, and I think one thing that's worth mentioning is the prequels. You get the idea that even if what appeared on our screens is kind of dumb. There are reasons they just never made it. The issue with Game of Thrones is that we actually know, well, what, we know what the source material is. Like, we actually know the source material. Rather than just assuming or, like, guessing that, like, the director has explanations in his head that just never made it onto the screen. Like, we actually know, at least for, like, season five... I was going to say, though, it's not any better this year, trust me. Um, But even even if we just take, like, season five and the bits of season six that are drawn from material from the books, it's like, well, we know what they're supposed to look like. Yeah. And what's happening on screen is doesn't make any sense. And we know that it should make sense. And so, (laughs) actually, and I need to just do a series of YouTube videos where it's, like, us narrating like that and going back and forth trying to explain. Right. And you should have little drawings, like, have (laughs) your little charts and drawings because I my Like my paint... My MS Paint drawings. Yes, your MS Paint. And you have that chart. Like, you have a chart for the perjury trap, don't you? you? Yeah, the flow chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chart. I'll, I'll put this in the body of the, uh, the post that we have. Yeah, I do. But no, I think you're right, Gretchen. Like, I mean, the Jedi being really fucking stupid is a problem. Mm. It's absolutely the problem. But right. it's, it's not this underlying illogic of everything. Right. That, Benioff and West just don't even care to think this through. I think Lucas thought it through and he thought it through poorly. Yeah. Or he thought, he it, thought through it through too much. And he was like, he's he was so in his own head that he forgot that not everybody knows this shit. You know? <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he assumed the audience knew more than it did. 
And Game of Thrones definitely doesn't assume that. <laughs> no. They assume that everyone wants to see oh, some boobs. I don't, there, there aren't nearly as much boobs as much show as there used to be, which isn't a bad thing, but like, just, I don't know. I don't know what's distracting people anymore. I think my other favorite, uh, really, really dumb plot point was John going, we fight with the armies we have last year for everything leading to Battle of the Bastards. That's probably one of my favorite retrospectives that Joy and I mm-hmm. have ever done. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll leave it there and transition out into our final segment, favorite Halloween movies. She stood before the gods in the holy set and lied. Okay, so I hate all holidays. <laughs> I, I I don't like any. And on that yeah, note. I don't like any holidays. I don't even like Mother's Day. I I don't like Christmas. I my birthday's okay, I guess, but I don't know. Um, another Halloween, uh, another holiday I don't like is Halloween. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess the, why are you the one to? I guess the candy is nice, but like I don't know. I'm never into like seasonal holiday appropriate things. You know, like I don't, I don't change my wallpaper on my phone to like leaves or anything in October. Is that like a? Is that like socially acceptable means of expressing your love for the holidays? I, th- I think for Halloween it's changing your Twitter handle to have a spooky name. Yeah, well, oh. like, I, I don't do that. But I don't do that either. I don't, there are some movies that I sometimes watch that I can see take place on Halloween in the movie, but I never, like, watch them specifically on Halloween to get into a Halloween vibe. Mm. So I suppose there is this category of movies called Halloween movies, right? Yeah, I believe it's traditional to watch like scary movies on Halloween. No, is that a thing? Well, no, it is. I just don't like. It's one hundred percent a thing. It's one hundred percent a thing. I just don't like doing it. Yeah, me either. What do you watch on Halloween, Gretchen? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, anything but horror movies. Um, I like like funny movies that happen to have like I guess vaguely Halloween, like that have characters that are associated with Halloween. Like the Adams Family movies, mm. um, I really Those are enjoy- just good movies. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy the Adams Family movies. Um, Hocus Pocus is a classic. I think. I mean, oh, I when like I was Hocus writing Pocus. this down, I was like, heck, like I would rather watch like Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, like the really old Disney. Movie I love Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Oh my god, where like, they punch that's Nazis. More appealing to me. They they right? enchant suits of armor from museum to punch Nazis. Yes. See, that's a good Halloween movie, in my opinion. How is it a Halloween movie? Because there's witches in it. See, that's what I mean. Like, I will watch a movie that has, like, characters who are associated with Halloween, like witches. Harry Potter. Right, yeah. Okay. I'd rather watch, I mean, I'd, I'd rather read the books, but. Julie's um, not impressed. I mean, I guess I that's just, a Halloween movie because, like, Halloween's a big deal in the wizarding world. I guess it's their Christmas. And yes. they have Christmas, yeah. too, but Halloween is important to them. I don't right. know. Yes. They drink pumpkin juice all no, year long. I mean, I, I'm 100,000% on Gretchen's side with I hate scary movies. I don't, I just, again, I'm a wimp. I like sleeping at night. I don't like jump scares. I just don't see any value in horror I don't movies, like jump scares. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I actually do like Halloween movies, like specifically Halloween movies on Halloween. I kind of, it's not that I like holidays, but like, you know, there's something to be said for getting in the spirit. Like, I always watch Rugrats Passover on Passover, you well, know, I don't so know, on Halloween. Too much holidays are just hmm? better. I don't know. They're really interesting. Well, the, but like on Halloween, <sighs> like if I'm not watching the Emoji movie and live blogging about it, then nice I might watch something like The Great Pumpkin because oh, I that's a good one. love how depressing Peanuts is. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, my favorite actual Halloween movie is Halloween Town 2. 
not Halloween Town <gasps> 1. I totally forgot about the Halloween Town movies. Oh my gosh, I love those. Yeah, Halloween Town, the original, is obviously the better constructed movie, but that's why I like Halloween Town 2 more, because they had to like desperately pull something out of their ass to make it a movie. And there's one segment where a spell gets put on her grandma and her grandma's like friend, and they're knitting socks, counting socks. I think they're counting socks. Okay. And they're like stuck counting socks. It's very strange, but I just remember that being a really wonderful part of the movie. Oh no, um, I want to watch those movies. Yeah, good and choice. I would also really, really suggest um, Rocky Horror Picture Show oh, as a good a Halloween good movie too, which is I, like again more general, but <laughs> it's. I mean, come on, it's it's Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's just wonderful. It is. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. So, what about you, Joy? Well, like there was this movie in my childhood. I had the VHS tape. It was called The Nightmare Before Christmas. You may have heard of it. <laughs> oh, that's... Never. This, like, hipster um, once got really mad at me because I called it a kid's movie. But... What? It is a kid's movie. It was like, my my it was four-year-old like, niece oh, Well, it. I, I wouldn't call it a kid's movie. I mean, he, like, pushed his glasses up his nose. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's, like, 100% a kid's I, movie. It's, like, the definition of a kid's but, movie. But um, I identify with Jack Scarecrow, whatever his name is. Jack the Jack Pumpkin Scarecrow, King. Yep. Um, at the beginning of the movie where he's just, like, I fucking hate Halloween. And I hate how emotionally taxing this, like, enforcement of how I'm supposed to feel on this day is to me. Mm. So I relate to that. How do you feel about the Grinch who stole Christmas, Julia? <laughs> I mean, I, I I think he gives too many shits about Christmas. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. Are you talking about the movie with Jim Carrey or are you talking about no. the roast beef? I'm never talking about the live adaptations of Dr. Seuss. Novels. I mean, like, I like everything but the ending. When he gets into the Christmas yeah. spirit? Yeah. I was just wondering if you identified with the Grinch at all. <laughs> Why are they so happy on this holiday? Why are they so happy? I don't think they're as happy as they're trying to pretend they are, to tell you the truth. But, um... Wow. It's secretly a dystopia. Jesus, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a good Halloween movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, The Nightmare Before Christmas, I think, takes Christmas as seriously as it deserves to be taken. Um, and also Halloween, which is a ridiculous holiday. Can I admit to something very geeky that I do what? around any holiday? I will watch, like, a holiday-themed episode of, like, Parks and Rec or The <laughs> Office or something. On purpose? Yeah, or like um like on Thanksgiving, I absolutely adore watching the Friends Thanksgiving from season six, that, the one where Ross got high. Is that the one with the turkey on the head? No, okay. that was Is season that the one five. Well, there was some sitcom where somebody was secretly having two Thanksgiving dinners at once. Like he kept on shuffling between the apartments or something. There's in Gilmore Girls they had three Thanksgivings to go to. No, but this was like at the same time he was having Maybe I did I just come up with a premise for one. a sitcom episode, or who did that? It sounds no, it sounds like something someone did. Yeah, like, but the uh, the friends like of- if Joey was having one and like Monica was having one, and Ross had to like go to both at the same time, right? That sounds like a thing that would. Well, happen. in the episode I'm talking about, Joey and Ross are trying to leave really quickly because they want to go to Joey's uh, dancer friend his his roommate's a dancer and she's really attractive and they want to go to her thanksgiving because she's like oh it's just with my dancer friends and none of us know how to cook so we're just gonna get drunk so they're trying to like get out of their like family thanksgiving really quickly but in terms of halloween episodes because that's the theme of this episode (laughs) um there's the office 
always has Halloween episodes, and I like the one in season two where Jim throws a shit fit and is the worst person ever. That one amuses me. How do you feel Uh, about Jim, Kylie? (laughs) (laughs) I'll just link my rants about it, (laughs) I think. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm sure there were Friends episodes that revolved around Halloween, but I I can't think of them right now. I do tend to enjoy... um, I used to watch a lot of, like, crime serials. That used to be what I would watch all the time. Um, And I would enjoy when they would have a Halloween episode because it was usually, like, super ridiculous. (laughs) Well, not, like, it would be, like, ridiculous, though. It would be, like, ooh, this person had a puncture on their neck. Are vampires real? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Maybe it was really a vampire. And I'm, like, guys, this is CSI. It's not actually really a vampire. I just enjoyed, like, they would always go kind of, like, kitschy over the top. Remember that episode episode? of Buffy at Halloween where they all actually turned into their costumes? (gasps) I do. And Buffy was, like, a damsel in distress. Terrifying. Yeah, that's a good, I think that's a great Halloween episode. Yeah, and Willow turned invisible. She was a ghost. Right. Yep. And, like, Xander kept calling everyone ma'am because he was a a soldier. Yeah, because, yep. That's all I remember, but that it was like he kept calling it a limp band. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good Halloween episode. So yeah, I- You know what another good Halloween episode is too, is the episode where Katara learns how to bloodbend, which was a Halloween episode. Oh, was it? See, yeah. I wouldn't that know that sense. if you didn't tell me. Remember yeah, when Game no, of Thrones had Halloween that Mother's Day episode? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh god, let's not, no, I'm not, I'm not rewatching that on Mother's Day. <laughs> but yeah, I tend to think that like, this, this brings up a good point. I think I like Halloween episodes of TV shows better than I like Halloween movies. 100%. Right. Uh, and that's tip. Yeah. And that's typically because it's like an excuse to just like kind of not break the fourth wall, but like break convention with like the normal episode structure. It's like an excuse to like do something new and interesting and different um, because you can. You can have like the characters dressed up. Um, <laughs> oh, that's new and interesting and different. No, but I mean, like, you can have, like, different conventions involved, because instead of it just being, I don't know, I think you can be more, yeah, you can just kind of lean into, like, Halloween spirit, and I like the Halloween spirit, because I like dressing up and going to What I like about it, too, is that there's usually at least one character you can identify with in episodes like that, because it's people, it's, like, characters you know experiencing the holiday, unless it's bloodbending Katara, but, like, it's characters you know experiencing the holiday, so you're able to kind of, like, enjoy it with them. It's not a movie about Halloween, where it's like, oh, and now there's scary masks that cling to your face and you can't take them off. Right. It's like, what? I don't... That's a Goosebumps, by the way. I think that was the one with uh, Anakin Skywalker in it, the haunted mask. Uh, could have been? We watched it in second grade. I totally forgot. I don't know. I was Goosebumps. never into Goosebumps. That was like I... the only acting experience he had before he did Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel really bad for Jake Lloyd. He actually got so horribly bullied. Like, he's kind of permanently messed up from yes. this. Yeah. Anyway, on that happy note, uh, let us know in the comment section what, well, one of two things. Do you prefer Supernatural or Superhero? And what is your favorite thing to watch on Halloween, or do you like to pretend it doesn't exist? Mm, I would do that. Uh, yeah. Oh, crap. Do I need to get candy? I'm going to be watching the emoji movie. I'll just keep my lights off. There are, like, ten kids who live in my neighborhood, so... Yeah, there's, like, none here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Julia's going to be trick-or-treating with her son, and I'm assuming. Yeah. Maybe working. Oh, okay. Well. It, I didn't realize, is Halloween a thing in Canada as well? Okay. 
I know it's yeah, not it's... in like Great Britain, and I wasn't sure like which where Halloween fell in. You guys are the elephant Canadian that's asleep next to us. How do they know when to put up uh, Christmas decorations then? After Black Friday. <laughs> we don't have Thanksgiving in November. We do have Black Friday. Not Canadians. I meant uh, in Great oh. Britain. I don't know. I mean, from what I can tell, Christmas decorations go up as soon as Halloween ends. Mm. Why? That's a, like two months of Christmas decorations. I know, and it drives me crazy. Oh. <laughs> but that's just like, a- at least like if you go into like a, a an AC Moore or a Michaels or something, like the Christmas displays are there so early. The one, okay, yeah, that makes me think of the one thing I can appreciate that I do like about Halloween is that there's no like music <gasps> associated with. You're Halloween, right. That so is a nice thing. You don't have to listen to like. Two months worth of like kitschy Halloween music on the radio. Uh, Monster Mash? Are you kidding me? It's like one song though. And then that other one, that spooky, scary skeletons. Okay, so like is maybe that about two. Hard Home? Two. <laughs> um, that's how I've used it. But it's but it's better than like that is the thing I hate most about Christmas, and we can do a Christmas episode. But like oh. at least <laughs> Halloween does not have like kitschy music. That plays in every coffee shop, every bookstore, every regular store that you walk into for months. No, I 100% agree. If anything, people like try to craft Halloween playlists and they get like Thriller (laughs) and Monster Mash on there. And then I don't know what else to put on here. Is there anything (laughs) spooky? Spooky. So yeah, let us also know what you put on your Halloween playlist. Oh my gosh. And other than that, please visit the Fundamentals. Uh, just we now that we're into the TV season, we've got lots of reviews coming out, uh, which is pretty exciting. There's a lot of cool stuff going on right now, and we also have merch. I was supposed to do all this stuff for merch this week, and I I just didn't have any time. But there will be newer merch coming at a time TBD. Uh, hopefully, in time for the holiday season for your holiday shopping. <laughs> I love you, Joya. Uh, yeah, other than that... Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm such a jerk. Okay, so we have been asking you to leave us likes and reviews. And, like, I just kept saying this is a general concept because it's a good thing to get discovered. And then I, like, didn't actually look at any <laughs> reviews that you guys were writing. So, um... You can keep doing so thank it. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank yes. you. Uh, and then let me just quickly read actually we only have two but that's fine um hip hip hop pop said always a fun podcast long time listener finally guilted into reviewing (laughs) (laughs) you can tell you're a long time listener fun pop culture analysis entertaining for casual and rabid fans alike uh de said keep up the good work Always a good, always a delight listening to your content. You managed to strike a balance between scathing snark and positivity. I eagerly await each episode. So those are our two that we have. So if you want your review read by me and your name butchered like that, <laughs> please leave us a rating and review. Uh, we actually only have seven ratings total. Um, one of them is like one star, right? Yeah, please, please definitely do that. It does, it does help our visibility a lot. Uh, and tell a friend about it, and then your friend will judge you. Yes. <laughs> right. So, other than that, we will talk to you next time, and thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
clap on clap. We clap on clap. The clap trap. The clapper. <clears throat> as long as you don't have the clap, I don't know. Will you two please? 